man, I needed that. I needed that proclamation of victory. We all need that. So thank you guys for leading us in that praise. So I'll just add my uh, exhortation to you as we finish up our annual fall regroup campaign. If you are not connected to a small group, do not overthink it. Make the move. Go to Small Group Central today. Look at the groups that are available to you and talk to Ryan. And however long it takes, find a few people with whom you can become more like Christ with a little bit more intimately. Now, on a personal note, and maybe under the heading of Mashburn's can't seem to do anything with an added bit of, without an added bit of excitement, we did get my oldest son, Shade, married this past weekend. And so this was despite a bachelor party ATV accident that was my idea uh, that crushed his right wrist on the day before his wedding. And that was despite the emergency surgery that he was having while we were supposed to be having the rehearsal dinner and the rehearsal. And uh, despite all of that, and despite a lot of pain, he probably should have been in the recovery room, but he wanted to get married. So he was out there, and he and Emma, our new daughter-in-law, tied the knot in Oregon last weekend. I want to thank you guys so much. I know you were praying uh, for him and for us, and I covet your prayers still because it's still pretty painful and uh, it's affecting his ability to do the job that he was hired for. It's a lot of manual labor and that's just putting a strain on, on our sweet kids. And so we really uh, do covet your prayers there, but thank you so much. We heard today is Emma's birthday as well. And uh, she, Carrie reached out to Emma, just said, hope you have a special day. And she wrote back and said, Shade got up and made her breakfast in bed. I'm just imagining uh, what a kid. I love it. That's right. So proud of you guys if you're, if you're watching. And we are praying for you. And please don't forget to mark your calendars for Saturday, November 19th. All of you. That's, that's the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Those two are going to come down here because we know this wedding was so far away. And some of you have been asking about a shower. And we are doing a big shower slash reception on that Saturday We want you to meet Emma, and we want Emma to experience you. I'm begging her parents to make the trip. It's kind of a big investment for them, but I hope that they will come as well, and you'll get to meet them. Uh, We will be sending out an RSVP, and you'll need to fill that out for us. Um, It'll be electronic in some nature, and, and so that we have enough food, because we want you all there, and we want to feed you well. All right, so now, before I get to our last, one last teaching in this series on the subject of hospitality. I want to give you a heads up concerning what's coming next here. Uh, If you were here last week, Kyle did a great job of moving our hospitality conversation from you learning to be hospitable to us being hospitable, okay? And so I appreciated that. He also said something, because I listened and I heard it, to the fact that I'm always looking for opportunities to get out of preaching. Did y'all hear that? Heard him say that. And I I, I hope it's obvious that I love talking about Jesus. But if there is any truth to what he said, then I have succeeded for the next four weeks, okay? Because we got a special thing happening. Next week is Recovery Sunday. We have committed ever since we took on this recovery ministry, we have committed that in September of every year, which is National Recovery Month, to have a special Sunday. That partially just to celebrate the ministry we're doing, but also to offer it to those who are looking for a church home in recovery and to remind us that that is a part of the call that God has given us, a specific call. So Jeremy Hunter is 
supposed to lead that next week. And, uh, and Jeremy is more than just our recovery minister. He is also an inspiration to us, proof that recovery is not easy, but it is entirely possible with the power of Jesus. However, I need you to be praying for him because some of you know, and I appreciate Dwayne's prayer for him and others that are struggling, but this one's new. He, uh, he's been struggling with, um, uh, what was shingles? Shingles for the last week. He was just getting over that. And then he started getting his feet, started getting numb, his hands. He went to the ER and they are testing for something called Guillain, Guillain Barr syndrome. I don't know how to say it. Julian Barr, I don't know, but it's serious. And we need to pray fiercely against this. It can, it can be uh, very disruptive to life. And uh, we want to be praying for him uh, for that. But either way, we will still be having recovery uh, Sunday next week and be praying for him. Now, the three weeks after that, I am taking my three-week sabbatical. Now, some of you are new, and we don't all take them each year. But the elders here have offered all of the ministers this sabbatical opportunity annually, a chance to take a time out from our normal uh, ministry obligations and, and demands in order to reconnect with God in a special way. Hopefully, we are in our spiritual disciplines enough that we are staying connected to God. But, but they've offered this to us every year for us to invest in a special way, to replenish our, and our, our spirits, to look after our own spiritual and mental and emotional health and connect to God in a special way. Sometimes to plan, visioneer, plan, look for special studies and things that will affect our ministries and our respective ministries. We don't take this for granted, and I sure don't take it for granted. It is a great blessing to us, and we are hopeful that this offer from the elders, and by default you, is a great blessing to you. I remember 18 years ago, when I was hired, that was offered to me, this three-week annual sabbatical. And I was like, I mean, it's just so out of the ordinary. And I remember thinking, it's their offer of love to me to offer it. It's my offer of love back to never take it. But then a group, a year later, of our leaders forced it into my calendar. And they said, listen, Brian, we, are, we want you, I don't know why, but we want you for the long haul. And this is important. And I'm telling you, 18 years later, 18 years later, you, if you did a quick survey of our ministers and the longevity that they have here, it is very unusual. And that is because, uh, not just in sabbatical, but the loving care that this church offers to us as hopefully we are returning that to you as we bless you, minister to you, and mobilize you for the kingdom. So that's coming, and I'm very grateful for it. So for those three weeks, we're going to be having three guest speakers who will be helping us remember our heart for missions. So again, if, you haven't, if you've come to us recently, you may not know that this church was born out of a serious heart and commitment for missions. There were two churches here in town that did the reverse of what churches do. They split, you know, they came together, which can be just as hard, combining elders and cultures and ministers and, and, and church bodies, but they did it for the sake of improving and excelling and advancing and adding to their mission efforts. And so that heart is well embedded in us and it's never gone away, but it did get coveted pretty seriously, right? It got coveted. If that's a new word now, it should probably go in the dictionary. Um, so in one week, we will, it will be, one of the weeks will be about us re-engaging with our Med Rim mission. That hasn't stopped while we stopped focusing on it. So we'll get a 
update of what that is and hopefully rally again, pick up where we left off, which was us organizing a group to go over there for a small term, a short term mission trip. So I'm excited about that. We also have the executive director of uh, the, the CR, oh, I don't know the initials, Christian Resource, is that it? Where is it? Yeah, Christian Relief Fund. And they, they are here local, right here. And uh, Milton Jones will be coming to talk to us about it. And among all the things they do, our youth group had a stellar mission trip this last summer that was ushered, we were ushered in by them. So I'm looking forward to y'all hearing them. And then we have a new mission effort that we want you to hear about that's right here local to our neighbors who are refugees. Like we can literally, we already knew this, but we can literally make disciples of all nations like the Great Commission tells us without leaving our city. Because all the nations live right here. They are our neighbors. And we have someone coming who has organized a ministry that is loving those neighbors that can require from you no money to participate in. We just want you to hear about it. Just to hear about what's going on and perhaps find a place there. So very excited about those three weeks. And I know we will be blessed by all of that. And truly, if hospitality is what I preached the first week, at its core, it is love. The two Greek words, you know, is love and stranger. If it is love for the stranger or love for the other, then these four weeks are just an extension of our series on hospitality where we want to offer love to others, people who aren't like us, who aren't among us, people who are strangers to us. And so that is our mission's work as well. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be great. So today... I want to finish this series with just a couple of texts and a couple of tales, a couple of stories. And my faith goal is that the, the importance and the urgency of Christian hospitality rises up in you. You know what it is. You know what's required of you as a Christ follower. Today, I want to elevate the importance of it in you, the urgency of it the need for it. And so that's, that's what I want to do and leave you with a couple of practices that'll help you be faithful to that. So I hope it's clear, especially after last week with what Kyle said, that the church gathered should be like a hotbed of hospitality, right? When we're gathered, I mean, we're supposed to be hospitable wherever we go, but when we're gathered, we should pretty easily, since we all are kingdom citizens committed to this Christ, we, we should be creating a pretty powerful zone of hospitality. If nowhere else, we should be doing it when we're gathered. The church should be. And so I've shown you how it's like one of the highest chief obligations of the Christian church, uh, all the way from Moses to Paul. But you and I know it really begins and ends with Jesus. And one of his epic statements that defines who we are as a church, at least it should, and it defines his heart for us. You know, we have the great commission at the end of Matthew, in Matthew 28. That's our marching orders to go and make disciples. A few chapters before that, we have what's called the great commandment. Okay, and that's our motivation for what we do. Love for God and love for others. A few chapters before that, in Matthew 11, we have what I think should be called the great invitation of Jesus. And he stayed. He doesn't use the word hospitality, but he is exhibiting it with what he says here. And what he says is, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. 
come to me, he says. This is his offer of radical hospitality. And I say it's radical because of the word in there, of who he's calling. Do you see it? All. He's calling all to him. What a great word. What an inclusive word, right? All. Now, he does give a condition. He does. What is it? Is it all who are worthy? Is it all who are maintaining a minimum amount of morality? Is it all who are enough like me that I'm comfortable with you? Is it all who are righteous enough? Who've got their act together enough? Is it those of you who have a minimum amount of social standing in the world? All of you there? Is it all of you who uh, aren't too needy? You can be needy, but not too needy. No, the qualification is all you got to be is tired. I mean, the word all is pretty inclusive. If there's anything, a condition you can put on it to make it more inclusive, I don't think there is, but this would be it. Because we all get tired. And so this is for all who are weary, all who are burdened. And we're learning all the time, this life is hard, it's burdensome, it's difficult. The invitation is to all. And so if you follow Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, remember what a disciple is. We're talking about it in starting point this morning. It's an imitation of a master or a teacher. So if he's our master and teacher and we're trying to become like him, if this is how he offers it to you, then this is how you're to offer it to the world. It's the same thing. And if we're the church of Jesus, we got a sign out there that says we're a church that is actually of Christ. Do we just make signs? Or are we of Christ? Then we have to do this. I've got a verse for it. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That word accept in the Greek, it could, I looked at other translations and at the root word in the Greek uh, in the dictionary, and it could also mean welcome. Other, other versions say welcome. So with the welcome you've been welcomed with, you're to offer to others. The Greek word strictly, most accurately means receive. So receive one another then, just as Christ received you. I was sharing this with Ryan, and he pointed out that over in Philemon, uh, Paul is writing to Philemon about a former slave. Okay, This is a big social discrepancy between Philemon and Onesimus. And Paul is appealing to Philemon to be Christian rather than normal. And he says, it's with the same word, this receive word. He says, so if you consider me a partner, Philemon, Welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. Receive him. Where did Paul get that idea? Jesus. Got it from Jesus. Because he's a follower of Jesus. Are you? Are we? The definition, the definition we've been working with is loving and welcoming strangers into our living space with no expectation of a return. There's more to it than that because hospitality as it's used in scripture includes other Christians, but it is no less than this. If, if you include other Christians and exclude strangers, your hospitality is not Christian. It's like the pagans. Even the pagans greet and welcome those that are like them. We're Christians. We have to include those we don't know. 
And Christians should offer it anywhere and everywhere they go. But it most certainly should be prioritized and mastered in our church buildings where we gather. I mean, when you go out there, you should offer it. You're called to do it. But it's countercultural out there. It's counterculture out here. We come here to get away from the counterculture to exhibit and practice the kingdom's culture with allies. If there is an outpost where a hospitality zone should be happening, it is in the church where we are gathered. Are you feeling me here? This should be a hotbed of hospitality. That's what we're after. This is where it should be practiced most easily. So let me tell you a story of a man who went to a new church and his experience of that church's hospitality zone. His name is Rex. Now, I want you to keep in mind this continuum that Kyle taught us last week. This is a pretty good three-word definition of hospitality in and of itself. I mean, this is it. It's not difficult. It's, it's, not, it's easy. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Greet, welcome, and engage the strangers. And I'll just add that the result of that kind of hospitality, the faith goal is that integration happens, right? Whether it's with you or not, we want a person to feel the greeting, the welcome, and the engagement in a way that they eventually integrate with the family and most importantly, in a friendship with God. So I want you to keep that in mind of how these are exhibited in this story by this hospitality zone of this church. So I want you to also know, Rex isn't just your typical off-the-street, unchristian cultured stranger. He's a Christian. He's a strong Christian, a mature Christian, committed Christian. He's an active member of a small group that meets weekly. He's even served in his past as a youth pastor. He served as a pastor in his past. He's a leader in a prison ministry. And he's in his mid-50s or so, I believe, and is a very spiritually mature motivated person, and he's been a leader in every church he's attended, he and his wife. And so they happened to be looking for a new church. So one weekend, his wife was going out of town on a Sunday morning. Early in the morning, he drops her off at the airport and decides, you know, she's not with me, but that didn't keep me from going church shopping. So I'll just go, you know, I'm going to go to this church and and try it out and and look at it. I can report to my wife. So uh, he showed up early. He got there early because of the timing of the flight. And he was greeted really warmly by a couple of guys at, at the front doors. And uh, he was there early enough. They, this church has class, Bible classes before worship. And they said, yeah, we've got a class. They have one class. And so this gentleman uh, ushered Rex to their sanctuary, okay, and, and pointed the way, which he appreciated. So he goes in and he took a seat and he just watched as other people came for class. And he looked around and he reported that the first thought he had is, this isn't a very diverse church. Okay, so I didn't mention, but he's Hispanic. And so when you're a minority in a other church, you're going to notice stuff like that. I think that's important for us to, to know. And uh, he didn't see anyone that looked like him. So he just wondered, he wasn't presuming there's racism or anything, but he wondered if that will affect how he'd be received. It's just something he's wondering. He doesn't know. So as he sat, no one talked to him for the class, no, before the class. Uh, a man even came up right by him, talked to the woman in the chair in front of him, then finished talking to her, then walked behind him and sat in the chair behind him, but didn't talk to him. 
right? So uh, then class began, or as it, just as it was beginning, one of the men that was at the front that greeted him came in and saw him sitting there alone. He and his wife, they went and scooted into the chairs next to him and, and visited with him a little bit, and Rex appreciated that. He, he noted that he appreciated that. So then he went through the class. He said the class was phenomenal. It was great. He's mature. He's taking notes. You know, he really enjoyed the teaching of truth and, and love, and, and that was really great. So after class, he needed to go to the bathroom, and he's checking out this church, so he's just, he's courageous. I think it's courageous to check out a new church. I told our starting point people, that's courageous, you know. But he said he's going to go, he's going to find the farthest bathroom he can in the building just so that he walks by the maximum number of people, makes eye contact with them, and see if he gets greeted. He goes all the way to the bathroom and back, and not a word. And he passes a bunch of people, and not a word. So uh, after that, he, he, came back in, he came back into the auditorium of that church, the sanctuary. He decided, they have a balcony like us. He decided he's going to go up and sit in the balcony. He goes up in the balcony, and it's like no one there. Now, he didn't report this. But I, and I, I, I can imagine with the experience he was reporting at this point that it was almost a relief. Maybe, maybe I should stay up here because, hear me, you'll get this. It is way more comfortable to not be greeted by no one than to not be greeted by a bunch of someones. Right? Maybe he saw no one's there and is like tempting. At least I don't have to explain why I'm not being greeted. But he was there to check out the church. So he forced himself back down out of their balcony and he decided to stand because everybody's coming into the auditorium there just like we flood in here. So he stands in the, the flow. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to sit down. I'm going to stand in the flow of people and just see if I get greeted and welcomed, maybe invited to sit with somebody. And again, just not a word, not a word directs. And now he reports, he does wonder if it's racial. And he thought, if my Anglo wife was here with me, I wonder if it would be different. Okay? He, he doesn't know that it's racial at all. They, they may be ignoring everybody, right? <laughs> but, but he doesn't know. That's the point. That's why he wonders. He's trying to explain why would this Christian outpost just... So worship's about to start. Everyone's gotten settled. He's still standing in the back, and he just discouraged he just decides to leave he walks all the way out of that building no one talks to him he makes it out and he goes to another church to worship how important is hospitality how many people in how many churches experience something like that in what's supposed to be the hospitality zones of the world. How many people? And what if they're not mature Christians and they'll just write that off and go somewhere else and they just make the mistake of reflecting this on Christ? I always say, please do not judge Jesus by Jesus' followers. But how can they not? How can they not? I remember my first cousin had moved to Houston where I was a youth minister at the West Houston Church down there. And I had heard the following week that she had decided to visit West Houston. I am hyper-focused on youth group at that time, so it's not surprising that I didn't see her, okay? 
And, uh, but I heard she had gone, and I was like, I didn't see her, but I'm so glad I'm at West Houston because West Houston is flaws and all. We all have flaws, all churches do, but they are the friendliest people I knew. And so I called my cousin. I said, hey, how'd it go? I heard you were here. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you. How was it? She made no bones about it. She said, that is absolutely the unfriendliest church I have ever been to. I said, what? And so as I interviewed her and asked what happened that would make her say that, you know what happened? Nothing. That's all. She got the same reception at, at the church I was a part of, that she would expect going to the supermarket. Nothing. No contact. No love. No welcome. It wasn't because of what anything did to her that made her say that's the unfriendliest church she's ever been to. It's because of what they didn't do. See, West Houston was the friendliest group of people I knew. Because I knew them. Because I knew them. Nice to me. I'm friendly with them. So I'm glad to be at Southwest now. Because we really are the friendliest, kindest, most inclusive church that I've ever known. But guess what? That story of Rex. I changed the name, but the church he visited was ours. It wasn't three years ago. It wasn't even three months ago. It was three weeks ago. Right back there. It was the first week of our hospitality series. He didn't stay for that teaching. And it would have been awful embarrassing if he did. So with that personal story in mind, church, that's a personal story for you now. I may have been one of the ones when he went to the bathroom that zipped right by him. Y'all seen me do it? I'm thinking about my sermon and I've got a thing on and I may have, it's personal. So with that personal story, let me read to you the three verses that I started this series with in the New Testament that do use the word hospitality, but now with the importance and urgency that it deserves. Practice hospitality. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. How important is hospitality? How important is it, especially right here, at an outpost of the kingdom, when someone has the guts to walk into our living room for the chance that maybe they belong? then maybe they'll find their place. So I promised you two practices that you'll get, that will get you started in this life-giving, potentially life-saving work of hospitality. And these practices were given to us uh, by Dr. Richard Beck. I don't know if you remember, many years ago, he came from ACU and he 
gave us a powerful and impactful lesson on hospitality. You can find it online, but these were the two practices. First is see the unseen. See the unseen. Listen, you don't see the people you don't see. Because you don't see them. Unless you do it on purpose. Today, you can practice this. There are people here that you don't see. You can practice today. We need to look for the people that are unseen. Not just by everyone, but by you. It's a good start. It's what Christians do. Rex was unseen right back there. He was unseen right there in our midst. And he was greeted, right? We would hear that story and celebrate. Oh, man, isn't that awesome? Our greeter. Greeting was not enough. It's necessary. It's a start. But greeting is not enough. And we can't depend on the one guy greeting him to do all this. We need to be doing It's a we thing. It's us creating a hospitality zone, a net, a network of love that nobody can come in here and get out and not feel it. See those people that you don't see. And second practice, approach them. So simple. But it is difficult, isn't it? I already told you this, but it is simple. It's such a simple concept. But as you know, it's not easy to practice because when you approach someone you don't know, you, with the intent of welcoming them, with the intent of engaging them, maybe integration happens eventually by God's grace, you're making yourself vulnerable. You are. It is a vulnerable move. That's why you don't do it. That's why I zip through here. It is vulnerable. It's difficult. And I'm, I've told you that I'm scared that, of y'all. If, if I, I recognize your face and I'm supposed to know your name and I don't, I'm scared to death of being offended you. I've been way burned by doing that with somebody. Hurt, painful, wound, partial PTSD. So I'd just rather not face it. But Jesus modeled for us putting himself out there vulnerably for the sake of love with no guarantee that it won't hurt him. I think we can do it too. I think I can do better. I, uh, when I shared this a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'm scared. I won't remember your names. Not real good at names. I got a lot of them in here. And I just, I, it's not a good skill for a minister to not know names. Okay, to not be able to remember names. I, I'll ask you three times in the same conversation because I'm so nervous I'll forget, you know? And that's bad enough. But as I walked out, a lady came up to me right there and she comes up with her hand and she goes, hey, you remember my name? This happened right there. I went... I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I don't remember your name. She goes, you haven't met me yet. It's okay. <laughs> really glad you feel really comfortable here. <laughs> okay, so we laugh, but we laugh because we know that was vulnerable. That was vulnerable. And just something like that, that is very real and it will stop us. It will stop us cold from being what we're supposed to be. And it is important, and it is urgent. Uh, You know, I almost wish one move we would make is just make our church experience on Sunday mornings, just everyone decide it's 15 minutes longer now from now on. And we just stick around in here with that HR, right, the hospitality radar on, and look around 
and just make a point. I wish for the few of you who still go home to have your meals, right, at the dinner table, you cook extra food to force yourself to find someone you don't know to invite to go home with you. They can go out with you too if you got an extra few bucks. Just things that put us on the hook because hospitality can change and save a life. So we're going to ask our elders and our ministers and their spouses to go and move around the room. They're just going to set up. This is a move of hospitality from them, by the way. And they get up. It's kind of awkward to get up and move around the room and stand there. But that is them saying, hey, I'm here for you. I want to be hospitable to you. So if you need anything like that, please come to us. The practice, I'll finish with this. The practice of hospitality is for all of you as Christians. But for some of you, some of you are very passionate about this. You are particularly passionate about it, and you are very moved and motivated to see it done. Not just in your life, but among us. You maybe have a story where you were like my first cousin, and you don't want that to ever happen again, not at your church. And so Kyle, last week, he, is, he has done something that I love, and I told him thank you so much. He is doing something that's going to allow us to not just amen this series, but to put hands and feet to it as a church and improve in this environment. And he asked, if that's you, it's not all of you, but there are some of you, 12 of you have already contacted him, and you're going to be a part of the process of changing our culture, of improving our culture here, putting in place things, systems, but also reminders and stories and examples of how we up our hospitality zone here. We have first-time visitors almost every single week. Did you know that? Every one of them should leave here feeling loved. And so if you are on that list, if you are on that, you contact Kyle, and you let him know. But there's going to be a meeting next Sunday at 2 o'clock right here at the building. Contact Kyle. Let him know you want to be a part of that. There's already a dozen of you going to be there. And so I'm praying for this group. And if you want to be a part of helping us be obedient and faithful in this life-giving work, please uh, contact Kyle and be a part of that. And this morning, maybe you're sitting there going, man, I need. Maybe you're Rex, you know. And you didn't get greeted this morning, and you're like, I just want you to know, it's not our heart. I I wish there wasn't a way to sneak in here and get out of here and not feel the love that this body has for Christ through their love for you. But we don't want that to be so. So if you're needing that touch today, please, here we are. We want to find you, but when we fail, would you please come to us? That's our invitation. Just like Jesus, come to us, all of you who are weary or burdened, We want you to find rest in this family. That's what we want. If you have any other need, please come. Let's stand and let's sing.